Good morning, everybody. Welcome in to our 1030 service. Let's go ahead and stand together. And we're going to begin this morning with a song called Center My Life. We sang this song last week, and I just encourage you to use this as a prayer that God will be the center of everything we do today. There is no 
that you have decided to join us here at Lindsay Lane North, where we are in the community for the community. If today is your first time visiting, please fill out the Connect card you have received in your bulletin and drop it in the offering bucket on your way out the door today. One of our pastors will personally reach out with a call, text, or email this week to thank you for visiting and to see how we can minister to you. If there's anything we can do for you while you're here, stop by our Next Steps table and someone will be happy to assist you. We hope you have a wonderful day and enjoy the service. Hey, that's my wife, Emily. I'm a blessed guy. Um, I'm just kidding. I, I really am. Uh, hey, Emily. She's watching online. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm thankful that you guys are here. My name is Will Stutz. I'm the worship pastor. And if you're a guest or visitor, again, I reiterate, we are thankful for you. Even if you aren't a guest or visitor, we're glad to see everybody. Um, but we do want you to fill out those Connect cards for us just so that we can follow up, know, know that you are here, and maybe check on you and see how you're doing. Um, anyways, as we continue in worship, I just I know everybody comes in here with different things going on in their lives, and everybody's in different places, um, you know, uh, spiritually. And so I just want to take a quick second before we continue. I want to... I want to read some scripture over us that just reminds us of what God did for us. These next two songs, you know, that's what they talk about. They talk about, you know, the evidence of God's goodness and faithfulness in our lives. We can see it every single day. And as his children, you know, he takes care of us. He does things that sometimes we don't even know about just to, just to take care of us. And he's always faithful. And the biggest thing is if he never did another thing for us, he did enough by sending Jesus. And so that's kind of the, the idea of these verses is that we have we have victory through Jesus and through Jesus alone. So this comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 55. It says, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this morning, wherever you're at, if you don't know that victory, you can know that through Jesus Christ and only through Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand. I want to give us an opportunity to pray together uh, as we continue and as we just move forward in our worship service. Let's pray. Let's be thankful and just thank God for Jesus real quick. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for all the things that you are, Lord. We thank you for your righteousness, God, for your holiness. God, I pray today we would, we would move and we would worship you and sing to you in awe and reverence of who you are, God. Of God, you created the universe. You you made all things that we know, that we see, that we hear, that we taste. 
God, that we feel, Lord, you are beautiful in all of your ways. You are holy. You are righteous. God, and if you destroyed the whole earth, you would have a reason. But God, you didn't want to do that because you wanted a relationship with your creation. And so you sent Jesus. And God, I pray that as we continue and we worship you, God, in spirit and in truth, that Jesus would be the center of what we're doing. That God, we would celebrate. God, we would praise your name the way that you deserve this morning. Lord, we love you. We set aside this time for you. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
shed for us, Lord, for the world. And God, we don't take that lightly. Lord, I pray this morning that as we as we continue and we open your word, Lord, I pray you would have freedom to speak to us. God, that we would open our hearts and our ears to what you have. Uh, most of all, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you for freedom and hope and peace and forgiveness and life change that only happens through Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified and honored and praised as we continue this morning. Lord, we give you this time. We pray you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs> uh, I love my church family. I don't know who decided to do this. But if y'all know my family, you know my wife is obsessed with Ray Dunn, and uh, that's awesome. 
That's awesome. I have never been as taken off guard as I've ever been, as I am right now. Wow. What? We won't be putting that on right now. Mostly because I'm not sure how it looks. It may look a little tight on me. So, uh, man, <laughs> wow. Okay, all right. Welcome into the, uh, into the portion of our service where I'm going to preach at you now. Um, <clears throat> get that mental picture out of your head. So, um, man, we are, we are so glad to have you. Uh, welcome to Lindsay Lane North. Man, we're glad to have you in our 1030 service. Uh, we are continuing our series, uh, our DNA series, where we are tracking through who we are as a church. You can turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. It's where we're going to be spending the bulk of our time today. Uh, but, uh, man, we are, we are super excited. And we, there's purpose and there's mission behind what we do as a church family. And so we've talked about our mission uh, as a church, that we are uh, in the community for the community, right? That is our mission. It defines what we do. It's, it, it's what uh, gives us the opportunity uh, and the platform to, to do ministry. We've talked about our purpose statement, our guardrails, if you will, to how to pursue ministry and that we will be together for the glory of God and the good of man. And so for the next, the, these three weeks, we've been talking about our strategy. So open your bulletin to the inside front cover and you will see what our strategy is as a church. Here's why we put it in your bulletin. This is the practical application of some of the things we've already been talking about, right? The purpose and the mission. This is where, this is what we want to see you do. We want you to be reminded every time you open your bulletin, this is what we want to see you do as a child of God, is take that next steps. And so those, those next steps in your walk with the Lord, right? And so we want to see you gather. We talked about that last week, right? The gathering is important. The gathering is important in as much as it prepares us for the scattering. I pray that our church is not known for the number of people that we can fit into four walls, but how many people we can scatter for the gospel, right? For the salt that is in the world that is making a difference and providing flavor for the world. It's not about this salt shaker. It's not about this place that we house people that are salt and light. It is about how we are salt and light in a lost and dying world. And so that is the gathering. And so we want to see you gather. We want to see you a fan of the gathering. We want you inviting people to the gathering so that we can assemble together, be encouraged together, be stirred up together, and we can go out. But the second thing that we want to see you do we want to see you group. We want to see you be a part of the group strategy that we have as a church. As you'll see in your bulletin that we group for community and growth in Christ. To be together with one another, to be in community, and to be growing toward Christ. I don't know if you realize this or not. But you need me, and I need you to be who God has called you and I to be. We need one another. We, are, we play vital roles in each other's life and ministry. And so we need one another to be connected 
together. And so to do that, I want to provide a little bit of an illustration that's going to set the table for what we're talking about today. I will need four volunteers, so I'll give you all a couple seconds to be working up your courage for whoever it is that the Lord is leading to participate. Nothing embarrassing will happen. I assure you, well, I don't assure you, you may fall when you come up. I'm just kidding. I don't want to put that in your head. I want, but I need four volunteers, four volunteers who will help us. Now, now that I've said that, right, and I'm shot myself in the foot. I need four volunteers. Awesome. Come on up. We got some volunteers. Good, good, good. Thank you, thank you. Great job. Y'all just have a seat here in our rows. Welcome to, welcome to church. Welcome to Lindsay Lane North. One more. All right, awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Liddy. So welcome to Lindsay Lane North. Man, we're so glad to have you today in our church rows. Our church, we don't have pews, right? But they're arranged in a line. You are in a church row, right? You're here for church. And I, man, I just appreciate these guys. I appreciate them being here as a part of the gathering. What we see in rows is the gathering. This is the gathering of people. But every one of you have experienced what it's like to be new in a gathering, right? A gathering, a sitting in rows is not conducive to relationships. In fact, if these girls wanted to communicate back here to the back, they'd have to turn around. They're probably not going to do it. And every one of us has seen churches like this. We've felt this angst of the rows, right? There is, a, there is something blocking community when you're assembled in rows. It just doesn't come as naturally. And so when you come into a church, they really respond one of two ways, right? Most some churches respond way overkill, right? They start dogpiling the visitors. Hey, welcome to the church. And everybody just dogpiles on them, right? Or the opposite happens. You come in, you sit down, and especially in a shotgun style sanctuary like this, and nobody says anything to you. And you're in a row, right? You don't really care to say anything to anybody, right? And so this is what happens in rows. Rows are important. Now, rows, they're facing me, right? And so I'm here and I can communicate to them. They can speak to me. They can interact with me. By the way, I like it when you say amen and nod. I do like it when you take notes. I'm a little concerned that none of you have your notes with you. That concerns me a little bit. But there's, there's a purpose to the gathering, but if we as a church, if you as an individual engage in Lindsay Lane North, content to stay in rows, can I just tell you, your experience as a church, in the church, is woefully lacking. Because instead of rows, we want to see you move. If you gather, that's great, but we want to see you move and go on in maturity in Christ. And so in order to do that, we're going to create a small group, all right? Here's what I want you to do. If y'all will take your chairs and just face one another, all right? Just, just turn them and face one another just in a little circle here. Awesome. Wow, that's a, that's a close group. Y'all are close-knit, man, already making, making, uh, making connections. See, we're, we're hugging everything. What I want to see... You as a child of God do. If you're going to embrace church, embrace the body of Christ for everything that it's worth, it's not going to be done in rows. There is a cultural aspect of church in this world 
that says, if you're coming, that should be enough for the pastor. And you know what? There may be in some level, there may be, there may be a sense in which that's right. At big church, hey, it's, everything's fine, right? That should be enough for the pastor. But let me tell you this, it should not be enough for you. It shouldn't be enough for you. This moving from rows to circles is where community happens. Now, they don't have to turn. They don't have to be in. They, they are already configured in such a way where they can talk. They can have community. Lisa's already tried to hug them, right? Like, I mean, relationship is already happening. Because why? Because they're facing one another. Listen, if you spend your whole life in a church pew and you don't spend any time in a living room spending and doing life with one another, you are missing the body of Christ. You're missing it. You're missing all of the benefit that it provides. It's not just about what happens on a Sunday, but it's what happens in the context of the circles of group. And so today, this understanding of grouping for community and for growth, we've got to understand being called to a deeper level of commitment to the church than just the rose. He's happy to have me, my seat, in a seat. But to move from that into the investment of a circle. Investment in the circle. Y'all give them a hand. Thank y'all for, if y'all will, if y'all stack those up at the, on the side there, I'd appreciate it. Very good, very good. Thank y'all. See, it wasn't embarrassing. I try not to lie to you. I'll tell you if it's going to be embarrassing. <clears throat> Thank y'all so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, buddy. All right. But here's why I make that point. I believe there are people that can spend their whole life content being in a pew. I came to a realization last night. I don't know that last, last night was maybe the aha moment. But I just want to tell you some of my testimony in this church. There was a point last night I went to a fellowship that I was invited to. My kids were there. And somewhere between eating a double cheeseburger, freshly grilled in a smoker, and... Beating one of my friends soundly twice in a game of cornhole. They know who they are. And watching my kids bounce around and, you know, knock heads and cry and then going over and having to do damage control and then watching them continue to jump around and bump heads. I realized something. The most meaningful connections of my life. are found in this church. I don't know what that says to you, but it says a lot to me. The people I care about more than anyone else in the world, my closest friends, come and sit in these pews, sit in these chairs, sit in these rows. We don't stay there. No, because when one of my kids have a birthday coming up, the people that are sitting in these rows are the ones that get the invites. Not because I feel like it's my pastoral duty to invite people in our church, but because they're my kids' friends. The connections that they have in this community, in this church, are the most meaningful connections they have in their lives. 
There are people that I see and that I am more invested in in this church than I am in my own family members. And if you can't say that about yourself, can I just, can I just tell you you are settling for less than what God has for you in community and in a body of believers? You're settling for less. And you may be saying, Alan, you're a pastor. Of course you're going to build connections. Can I just be real honest with you? Something about leadership, about the mantle of leadership. The more you lead and the higher you go in leadership, the less likely people are to truly connect with you. The more likely they are to tell you what you want to hear and not what you need to hear. To be a supporter or a fan or an enemy, by the way, or to be your friend. And so when I say that some of my closest friends in the whole world are in this church, I believe I'm saying that in spite of me being their pastor. I don't know what I'd do without this church. I don't know what I'd do without the meaningful connections that I've established over the two years that I've had with some of you guys, many of you less. It means the world to me. But that doesn't come from Rose. It becomes, it comes from doing life together, from leaving the gathering and being a part of groups, being invested in one another and caring about one another. We've got to stop this cultural superficial connection and being content with that. If we are to stay, listen, anything can bring you into this church. Anything can. Uh, a social media post can bring you into this church. It can pique your interest and you can come. Uh, an event in our neighborhoods can bring you to this church. An invite from somebody can bring you to this church. Uh, driving past it, if you survive this curve, right? Have a near-death experience on this curve right here, right? And like, well, that's a miracle enough for me. I'm, driving, I'm pulling into this church right here. Anything can get you into this church. But there is one thing that will keep you. And that is real connection. You will not stand the test of time in this church if you don't connect. I'm going to say something that's counter to what I probably should say as a pastor. Ah, it's counter to what I should say as someone who's accumulating people. But it's right in the heart of a pastor. I don't know that I could ever join a church that I haven't found a place to plug into in groups. I don't think I could be, I could truly buy in to a gathering unless I've been a part of their groups. Because it's the only thing that's going to stand the test of time. That pastor may preach something I don't like. Man, that church, that, that, that service might hit a note that I don't, I don't appreciate. They may sing a song that I'm, I, I don't like. Their kids, something may happen to my kids in one of the, the child in the ch children's services, and it may hurt my feelings, right? And I may, I may leave, but not if I'm connected. And so we want to see every person a part of the gathering, but we want to see every person a part of the group as well. Movement from rows into circles. We see it in the New Testament church. We're going to read about it in Acts chapter 2. We group for the purposes of, number one, continuation. 
God's calling on your life is not to come into a relation, it is not to begin a relationship with Him. It's not to be saved. God's calling on your life is not to be saved. God's calling on your life is to live for His glory. In light of your salvation, to live for His glory. That's the calling of God on your life. And that doesn't happen by yourself. It happens in a conglomeration and meaningful connection with others. If you want to continue in your walk with Christ, if you want to go on in your walk with Christ, it requires letting somebody in to your life. And so we group for the purpose of continuation. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. We're talking about a church who's just lost their leader. They've lost Jesus. And it's one thing for a pastor to leave. It's another thing for the Son of God to leave physically. They've lost Jesus. Jesus has ascended into heaven. 120 people have gathered in one place and they began to pray. They gathered corporately, but in real connection and community. They have prayed diligently for days, maybe weeks. The Holy Spirit has fallen. (laughs) Get this. 120 people in the church in one sermon, in one altar call, has grown to now 3,120 people. Can you imagine that growth? Let me just say, if I preach this message today, and whatever we have gathered here turns into whatever we've gathered in here plus 3,000, I'll be the most stressed out human being on the planet. Do you know why? Because I don't have, we don't have the resources for three. I'm just being straight up. We ain't got the resources to assimilate 3,000 people. Peter preaches a message. And if you've heard humdingers of messages, you hadn't heard anything like Peter preached on that day. Because 3,000 people joined the church that day. They surrendered their life to Jesus and they passionately followed him and were baptized that day. You know what it says even more terrifying than that? People were being added daily after that. It was a growing thing. It was growing exponentially. How in the world do we make sure that this isn't just a blip on a radar, but is something that begins a movement that gathers people in Elkmont 2,000 years later? Let's figure out the strategy. How do we continue this? Acts 2, 42 through 43. Scripture tells us in verse 41, 3,000 were added. Now what? It's what I would be asking. It's probably what Peter and the disciples were asking. Now what? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul. And many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Big altar call. Big Sunday service. Big day of Pentecost revival. What do we do now? You know their answer? Under the direction of the Holy Spirit, 
Their answer was groups. We got to figure out a way to make this smaller because the events are only going to entertain for so long. We've got to get these people connected for the long haul. We've got to see these people who have just surrendered their life to Jesus go on into maturity. Because the calling on their life is not to be saved. The calling on their life is to continue. The calling of their life is to bring glory to God. And it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen immediately after salvation. It just it, We've got to fan this into flame. We've got to do something. We've got to be good stewards of what God is doing, what the Holy Spirit is doing. And their solution to this massive influx of people was not another massive influx of people. It was groups. It was groups. Do you, do you, do you feel the weight of what they did? God blessed in big ways and they decided to focus smaller. Why? Because rows ain't going to keep people. Circles will keep people. If we are to continue, they will be devoted. And so what did they do? What's their strategy, right? Four things. Teaching. They devoted themselves to teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Bless God. That double cheeseburger was awesome last night. They devoted themselves to eating and to prayer. They prayed for one another. Let me ask you a question. This is probably one of the most challenging questions I've ever asked myself. When's the last time that you have prayed just as earnestly for someone else's need as you would pray for your own self in equal need? When was the last time you were tore up from the floor up about something God needed to do in your life? Now, when's the last time you've been that tore up about something that God needed to do in someone else's? You know what that tells me? If you're convicted by that statement, you know what that tells me? We've settled for less than community as a church. It's all in. The church is not just about the rose. It's not meeting the base requirement to membership. It is about giving of our heart, soul, and strength to one another. These four things, teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, prayers. Do you know where you can find that? Did you know that Lindsay Lane North offers that? Now, it doesn't always offer that in the large group on a gathering. But you know where you can absolutely find it every single week? You can find it in home groups. We're following the New Testament model. God's done some awesome stuff here. Now, we ain't 3,000 that hadn't been added, but God's done some amazing things. Do you know how it continues? It continues with us being who God has called us to be so that God can bring others so that we can reach them as well. That's how it happens. This is the staying power of the church is found in community and fellowship with one another. Found caring more as much about someone else as we do. So remember the golden rule, right? Remember the, the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. In your notes, devotion to God should drive us to relationships with his people. 
Don't you say you're devoted to God if you're not devoted and invested in the lives of other believers. Don't you dare say it. Because a heart for God draws you to a heart for his people. You can't hate his bride and love the groom. You can't do it. It's not possible to do it. But you know what their secret ingredient was? Look at what verse 43 says. The awe of God came upon them. Great awe came upon them. Do you know why they were devoted to one another so passionately? Because they were in awe of what God had done for them. They'd never gotten over their salvation. And that awe of God drove them to deeper relationships with one another. Then this is what God has done in, me, in my life. Let me share it with you. Uh, tell, tell me what God did in your life. This is connection, right? This is thinking not rows, but thinking circles. Not let me, let me hear what the pastor has for me today, but let me digest God's word in the context, in the pressure cooker that is a community circled together for the glory of God. The awe of God. The word there is phobos. It's where we get the word phobia, fear. The reverence of God. Understanding what God did for them made the difference in them to pursue relationship with one another. This is what we see. And so we see continuation. If you're going to continue, let me tell you the reason why some of us haven't gone on into maturity because we're still settling for this superficial connection with God's people. Can I tell you why? Let me just let me go on the soapbox here for a minute. Let me tell you why I have to beg and plead and, and coax and, and do everything in my power to make, it, make, make something uh, that a man will invest in or something that a man will respond to a leadership role in the church in. Let me tell you why I feel like it's so hard to do that for men. And while women sometimes are waiting in the wings, they're, 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 they're all over the place doing everything in the church. Because I believe men have completely missed meaningful connection with one another. Bro, if you don't know, if people don't know what you're struggling with, if people don't know the things that are holding you back in your relationship with God, then they don't know you. Now women will get together and they'll connect and they'll cry and they'll snot and they'll all this, all this other stuff, but, but they know each other. They can hold each other accountable. Us men, we have to be... Men, right? We've got to act like everything's fine. And in so doing, we are sacrificing maturity in Christ. How about we be brave enough as men to admit when we've got failures? To admit when we've got flaws? It's when we understand thinking outside of rows and thinking in circles. Let me tell you why men aren't the leaders they need to be, by and large, in the church. Because you ain't going to find the men in the circles either. It's why I had to create, when we started groups, when we started groups, by the way, when we started, I don't know that I would do it this way again if we did it over. We started with the large group. We started with the gathering. Did you know that I had to create a group for the women before we were ready to launch small groups? Do you know why? Because the women understood they needed to be in groups. Do you know what is something that we've launched two different times unsuccessfully? Is a men's group. 
Now, we have a group that meets every other Sunday that's, op- that's separate from our home group. But you will find women for days ready to plug into groups. And you can't find a men's group anywhere. Because we're not willing to connect. And that's why we stay infants in Christ. That's why I believe the church is in the position that it's in. Men hadn't been who God's called them to be. We've sacrificed it under the guise of being men when we're truly cowards. Continuation. Go on in maturity in Christ. Men, women, go on. Get involved in groups. Get invested somewhere, somehow. Don't be content with where you're at. Continue Because what we see in the gospel is saturation. So we want to see you saturated in the presence of God. We want to see you saturated amongst his people. Listen to Acts 44, 2 verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Wow, all things in common? Surely he doesn't mean all things in common. Okay? It's almost like Luke knew that we would think this way. So he provides object lessons. And they were selling their possessions and their belongings and they were distributing for the, pro- the proceeds to all as any had need. You know what they were giving up? They were giving up their stuff. Giving up their finances. Now we give a lot of times with what's left over. God's blessed us and we have this left over. We'll give this. Can you imagine selling whole tracts of land? Can you imagine selling homes? Can you imagine selling everything that you own because you found out that your brother in, in, in another place on another side of town that's a part of that church that you're committed to has significant need and it requires significant giving? And can you imagine desiring to do that so much so you just live with an open hand and you give it? That's what we saw, and this is what we see in the New Testament. This is why New Testament church challenges Old Testament giving. It challenges the tithe, because New Testament giving is give everything. Live with an open hand with everything. There is nothing that is non-negotiable in my life. Everything can be used for, the God, for God if he so desires to use that. This is what we see in the New Testament. They gave of their money. But you know what they also did? Read it. Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Some of y'all think I'm audacious for asking you to not only attend on a Sunday morning, but to attend a small group on the midweek. The New Testament church, after they had given everything that they had, they weren't bitter, they weren't aggravated. Well, I saw that she bought that new car with that money. I thought, she bought that new donkey. You know, like, I, I had to sell my donkey, but she bought a donkey, you know. They weren't doing this. Do you know what they were doing? Day by day, they were living in community with one another. You know what day by day means in the Greek? Day by day. Every day. Er day, if you're from Lickskill. Every day, right? Every day, they were spending time. They weren't just giving of their resources. They were giving of their schedule. Because we all know that can be a greater God. They were giving of their schedule. Why? 
They wanted to be saturated with God's people. I want to be saturated with the presence of God. And sometimes I'm dry. Sometimes I'm on spiritual E. You know what I experience around believers? I get to mooch off of their, the fullness of God in their life. I get to experience fullness from their fullness. And we get to encourage each other, one another. And this is, this doesn't happen, y'all. It doesn't happen in this environment. You know, because you don't know the names of half the people in here. But it happens in groups. And if we're committed to being bigger, you better believe we've got to be smaller. Saturated in one another. They, they had all things in common. Well, that's, that's hard to do, isn't it? I mean, one thing to have 120 people with everything in common, but that's what it says in Acts, in Acts 2, verse 1, right? They were all together. They were together. Everybody was together. Everybody was there for the same reason, in one heart and one accord. They say the same thing at the end of Acts 2. So not just 120 people of one heart, but now we have 3,120 people, and they're all still together. Can you imagine how different all their personalities were? Can you imagine how weird some of them thought the other person was? Can you imagine the number of extroverts and introverts? Can you imagine the number of homebodies and world travels? Can you imagine the amount of people that were just different? But they were connected. They were together. And they had all things in common. They were invested in one another. Rather than allowing the superficial connection that when we encounter a difference, it implodes the church. It implodes and explodes in the community, right? Well, we got a bunch of hurt feelings because people saw things a different way because they put too much emphasis on one thing over what really united them. 3,120 people were not just committed to rows, they were committed in circles and their differences didn't cause division. It didn't cause them to be divided because there was more that united them than what divided them. Devotion to God in your notes keeps differences from causing division. Why? Because the difference between me and you is nothing compared to the distance that I was from Jesus. Boy, I was so far away from God. And if Jesus is willing to span that gap for me, then I can absolutely overlook and span a little personality differences with you. I can overlook hurt. I can overlook betrayal. Because nobody has betrayed me like we betrayed Jesus. It requires humility. It requires swallowing a ton of pride. But if you want to experience church to its fullest, you experience it that way. Or you don't. Or you don't. Or you don't risk it all and you wonder why your life is the way that it is. Continuation, saturation, and thirdly and finally, maturation. I, we want to see you mature. It's okay to not have it all together, but it's not okay to stay there, y'all. In light of Jesus, it ain't okay. I'm not asking for perfect people. I'm just asking for people that are willing to make progress. Willing to pursue Christ. Listen to Acts 2, verse 46. 
They received their food with glad and generous hearts. You want to know if you're, if you're generous? <laughs> Here's how you know. Not if you give a lot of money. That's not how you know if you're generous. You know that you're maturing in the area of generosity when you give and you're glad about it. When I can give and not miss it. Give that donkey and don't, it doesn't bother me a bit, right? Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We see yet another list. Another list. We have the list of what they did when they were together. We had the list of what the church looked like. And we, had, we see another list. How do we know that they were maturing? They grew in generosity. They were glad in their giving. And they gave more and abundantly and greater and more difficult and more sacrificially. But they were glad in their giving. They grew in praise to God, right? What does it say there? They were praising God all along. They were learning how to praise when things were good, when things were bad, when they had property, when they sold property, when they were given property. They, they learned to be glad. They praised God. They grew in favor with the community. Praising God and in favor with all people. Not just church folks. But the community started to, started to take note. And they started to see these people out in the community. And it started to make a difference in the community they lived in. And they grew in number. The Lord added daily those who were being saved. I believe this to be true. If we are effective in grouping people. If we are effective in getting people in groups. And getting them in meaningful connection together, God will be faithful in growing our church. Why would he grow something? Why would he give us something that we're going to be poor stewards of? Why would he give me something that I would be content with you sitting in a row? Not having meaningful connection and living in defeat when God's called you for victory. For not interacting as the body of Christ and connecting. Why would, they, why would he do that? He wouldn't. And healthy things grow. You should be growing individually. And we should be growing as a church. If we are who God has called us to be. If we are committed. Again, this exponential growth was treated with very intentional smallness and community. Devotion to God in your notes. Devotion to God discerns our need for discipleship. That's what it does. If we're devoted to God, then we understand that we need to be disciples. And you know what? You can't be a disciple of nothing. you got to be a disciple of something. The word in its nature requires somebody else. It requires somebody who's discipling you. And you can't be a disciple without creating disciples. And you know what that means? That means you've got to pour into somebody. You've got to have somebody pouring into you. You've got to be pouring out to other people. And then, hey, get this. This is even crazier. You're not really a disciple unless you are making disciples who make disciples. What does that speak of? Four generations of connection. That person you've discipled needs to be investing in discipling somebody. Vance Pittman says that the gospel runs on the rails of relationship. And if you're not committed to relationship, my friend, if you're not committed to God's people, then it's hard to make the argument that you're committed to God. And so for that reason, we want you to gather. We want you to see this. We want you to experience this. And then we want to call you to go deeper. We want to call you to would you bow your head and close your eyes? Devotion to God discerns our need for discipleship. Are you a disciple? 
Maybe a better question is, who's sowing into you? Who's pouring into you? Maybe another question you need to ask is, who are you pouring into? Are you where you need to be with him? You'll live in defeat your whole life until you're willing to let somebody in. And that's what groups are. Now listen, I'm not saying that every group is going to be the magic pill that is going to shoot you out the roof of spiritual maturity. But you know what I am saying? I'm saying it's the next right step. It's the next right thing. Can I just be real with you? I want for you what I have in this church. I have a church that I would do anything for. I have people in this church that I would do anything for, that I love to spend time with, that I love to be encouraged, that I love to pray for, that I love to have praying for me. I just want for you what I have in this church. But it doesn't come without risk. But when it certainly doesn't come without making a decision. We've got to decide. Does it mean that much to us? Are we in or are we out? Can I be honest with you? If you can't find it here, please come to me. Please let me help you find it somewhere else. I would rather, I would rather you go somewhere else to find a place where you can be in a group, be in community, than for you to settle for being in the row here. I would rather be, help you place you in a circle in another body of believers than for you to be content sitting in rows because that's not God's plan for you. Maybe you're here and maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ. Man, I want, I want you to know you don't understand real fellowship because you don't, you don't have a relationship with him. So if you're here and you don't have that relationship with Christ, I know the, the bulk of this message was not for you, but man, if you want that fellowship, it's made available to you. You must first be united with God. He has spanned every gap for you to reach you, to find you where you are, to bring you to this point today that you can decide to commit your life to Jesus and not so that you can try real hard to do all this other stuff, but so that he can change you from the inside out. He offers transformation for you today if you would respond to him in obedience. Whatever decision you need to make, I mean, you need to join what God's doing here, baptism, all of these things. I'm here, would love to talk to any, anybody, any decision needs to be made. This altar, my goodness, is one of the most underutilized spaces in the whole church. Maybe you need to come and just pour out your heart and your life to Jesus. Maybe you need to just confess and get some things right. Maybe you need to pray for somebody that you know that's walking a guilty distance that needs what we've been talking about today. Whatever the case may be, don't, don't let this be just another, another missed opportunity for you to get right. For you to get right with where you need to be with him. Father, I pray that you would be glorified in your people today, in this service, right now, that you would be glorified in us. And that doesn't happen, God, if we serve you with reservation, if we are obedient to you with reservation. But I pray that we, with open hearts, God, would respond as you have laid on our hearts today. May you receive glory, Holy Spirit, in everything that's done. Move us to action today would be our prayer. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as we sing? This is your time to respond. Whatever, whatever it looks like, whatever decision needs to be made, we'd love to talk with you through it. We've got counselors waiting. Would you come? Would you come? How deep the Father's love for us.
listening online or you are a part of this gathering in these rows, maybe your row looks like a lazy boy in your living room. However you're connecting with us, we want you to know that we are thankful for you and we would call all to that level of of obedience. And so if you're here and for whatever reason you didn't respond or you're listening online, we want to know that there's a way that you can let us know what God's doing in your heart and life. Through that connect card there and on the initial post, there's a connect card digitally that you can can fill out as well to let us know any decision that that you have made today. And I promise y'all, we're gonna connect. We're gonna follow up with you uh, this week and and talk to you through what next steps you need to take, okay? Man, thank you so much for today. Man, we're excited about what God's doing in the life of this church. Y'all check out these announcements and we'll be dismissed.